Hi everyone, Dave Lee from Medicus here. Uh, just dropping by to make a few notes before we start the episode. Number one, uh, this is part two of a two-part episode. Um, if you haven't listened to the first episode, I highly recommend that you do so. Um, in part one, uh, my guest Luke talked about uh, their experiences navigating um, their gender identity and their journey going through their transitioning process. And second note, I mentioned this in the first episode, but at the time that we recorded this, which was a while ago, uh, my friend Luke uh, noted that they use uh, they, them, and he, him pronouns, and since then they have come out as using they, them, and ze, them pronouns. Uh, and uh, I talked to them about this, and they said they were okay with um, having this episode aired um, as is, but if you hear me use um, some he, him pronouns, uh, know that that is not accurate anymore, and so I uh, just wanted to be respectful to my friend. And with that, uh, here is Luke Grief. Welcome to Medicus, a student-run podcast about any and all things in the world of medicine. Follow along as we interview outstanding individuals about important topics in healthcare. So yeah, I'm kind of digging um, a little deeper into uh, what what your experiences have been like with with healthcare, and and I, I, I do really appreciate you sharing, you know, your um, like taking the time to like celebrate your you know what you've gained from this, right? Because it sounds like um, yeah, it has been the right choice for you, and and you know I think that's that's an important thing to highlight. Um, a lot of our listeners are like more you know within the medical sphere, um, I, I, I've, and and this is particularly you know. Um, an important issue within uh, the healthcare scene, like what you, you talked a little bit about what your experiences have been like with, you know, um, providers who, you know, like maybe haven't been as, as, you know, uh, receptive to your particular needs. Like what, what have your, like, you know, what have your experiences been like with like medical personnel, like, especially throughout your transitioning process? Yeah. Uh, my my relationship or my experience with medical personnel has always been a little bit not great. Um, even going back before I, I identified uh, publicly as trans in any way um, mm. or non-binary, um, but even when I was identifying as queer and mm. was um, I was dating a trans woman at the time and had gone to um, an OBGYN for just a basic exam. I think mm. it was like my first one after moving to the city. Um, mm. And she um, she asked me a lot of really probing questions about um, my partners, which of course you do need to ask. Mm -hmm. um, it, that is important. Mm. Um, and I had mentioned I had a girlfriend. Mm. And so she was like, oh, then you don't need birth control. Um, she was assuming that I was a lesbian and that mm. um, I didn't need birth control because there was no possibility of me getting pregnant. Mm. And of course that's a wild misconception. Um, mm. And uh, I explained that I use the birth control not for preventing pregnancy with a partner, um, mm. also preventing pregnancy from, you know, uh, other unfortunate situations uh, mm. and for, um, uh, for hormone, um, uh, what's the word regulation hmm. um i had had some really uh painful periods um hmm. before going on birth control and so um that really really helped me 
uh, I I forget why it came up, but through the probe, she had she had learned that my my girlfriend was trans, and then she was asking me questions about like what type of genitalia my girlfriend had, and hmm. um, you know, which I don't know whether that was necessary or not, but it was definitely asked in a way that was really insensitive and hmm. really uncomfortable. Hmm. Um, and then she she asked a lot of probing questions about my sexuality, and I mentioned that I was pansexual. And at that point, she treated me like I was covered in scum. Really? She didn't want to touch me. I had come in there for a basic pelvic exam. She didn't want to do it. Um, she was like, you know what? I'll just refill your, your uh, you know, I'll just write the script for your prescription. We don't need to do anything. And I was like, but I would like to make sure everything's okay. I, at that point, I had missed a, a, an appointment, a regular appointment in the move. And I was like, I am mm. due for this. Please give me a pelvic exam. Mm. Um, and so that was really the moment where I, that was the first time where I was like, ah, this is what it's like to step into a room mm. uh, with a doctor and be queer. That was the first time that I had admitted to a doctor that I was queer. So that was like, okay, that <laughs> get used to that. Um, Luckily, most of my experiences since then have been at Howard Brown, luckily. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, every time I go to another doctor, the experience is a lot of explaining. uh, I've even tried, had to explain like what transmasculine is, um, explaining that no, uh, I do not want to just go off my hormones, um, explaining why I take uh, testosterone in addition to localized estrogen, Mm -hmm. um, which... I shouldn't have to, I feel like I shouldn't have to explain when I'm in there for something that's like knee trouble. Mm. Uh, and of course, getting, getting dead named and having to remind them of my pronouns and even getting, uh, uh, getting animosity towards mm. correcting, um, um, pronouns, so treating, treating pronouns and, and dead naming more as a bedside manner, um, mm-hmm. you know, an extra level of bedside manner instead of just baseline, uh, you know, baseline courtesy, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and thank you so much for, for sharing. It's, that's, you know, an incredibly personal story. And then I really appreciate you being, being open about that. Um, I did, I, I, I think it's one thing for people to, you know, hear like, use the right pronouns. Cause it's like, you know, it's, uh, it's polite. And like, I feel like that should be enough, but I think it's also important to explain like what, why that's important like how does that impact you when when you are misgendered like when someone you know like uses the wrong pronoun or like continually uses the wrong pronoun um like you know how how does that how does that impact you well the first thing that happens let's say it's the first time somebody uses the wrong pronoun um internally there is a moment a visceral moment of they don't see me correctly um mm. it's even worse if when i'm referred to um as nam or she mm. Uh, you know, that it's, it's that idea of, oh, they're, they're not viewing me correctly. Hmm. Um, and so what am I doing wrong? That's not how, that's not how I should react. But unfortunately, that's how we've been programmed to react is Hmm. what did I do to make this person misgender me? Hmm. Um, and you know, you gotta push, push that out, understand Hmm. that that's, can I curse? Or no? Uh, I mean, we, we can like, bleep it but yeah yeah you can curse if you want <laughs> it's bullshit <Yeah>. um, <laughs> um 
but uh, but then you you know once I correct somebody if they continue to do this um, if they continue to misgender me what I hear mm-hmm. and if they continue to misgender me without correcting themselves immediately after it doesn't mm-hmm. need to be a, a long winded apology but mm-hmm. you know just backtrack say the right one right. Um, if they're not doing that um, what I see that as is you're cho- now you're choosing not to see me correctly. Mm. The first time it was a judgment call and you made the judgment call poorly and you know mm. we, it, it happens to the best of us mm-hmm. um we should normalize asking pronouns from the get-go um but we all make mistakes but if you continue to do it mm. what that tells me is you have made the conscious decision to not see me mm. and as a patient that doesn't um that doesn't make me trust that doctor with my care because mm-hmm. it's not just a social thing. Being transmasculine is not just a social thing. Mm-hmm. As we've talked about, it does have to do with my hormones. It does have to do with my body. Um, being transmasculine and being AFAB is mm-hmm. a part of my particular physical self that a doctor is caring for. And so if a doctor is negating part of that or ignoring part of that, um, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence in that I'm getting the care for for me, that I'm getting mm-hmm. the right care for me. I'm getting the formulaic care for somebody with a uterus or mm-hmm. somebody who has, uh, it's mostly like formulaic care from somebody with a uterus is usually mm-hmm. how it works out. <laughs> gotcha. I, I mean, going off of that a little bit, what, what would you want, you know, clinic, cl- particularly clinicians, but like, you know, anyone who works at a healthcare office, like to be, you know, better about, or, or be more mindful of when they're, when they're treating, um, you know, like trans gender nonconforming, you know, or, or, or questioning patients. Yeah. Um, I think that pronouns are important. Like we talked about, it's not just a matter of, you know, bedside manner. It's, uh, it's common courtesy. You wouldn't, you wouldn't take a cis woman, uh, into labor and proceed to call her sir. Mm. Uh, or you would get screamed out of the room. Right. And she would be completely justified with that. Mm. Um, of course, trans people have been unfortunately programmed to be quiet, at a, quiet about it. Mm. Uh, most of us won't scream you out of the room. Uh, most of us wish we could. Uh, but just because we're not fighting you on it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter to us. Mm. Um, I will call you out on it because I don't care. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just because a trans person isn't speaking up about it, it's probably because they're not comfortable doing it. So, so do take that initiative to get somebody's pronouns. If it's not on intake forms, you know, ask it, jot it down. Um, make sure that you are referring to them by the correct name. And I say correct name, not preferred name. Mm-hmm. Um, the correct name and not dead naming them. Mm-hmm. Um, don't assume somebody is trans or cis. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we talked about, that spectrum is very wide. And some of us are on hormones. Some of us are not. Some of us, um, you know, some people who I identify as cis might be on hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just don't assume. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I identified as trans before uh, somebody would have taken me for trans at all. Hmm. So, you know, it's, it's very important to, uh, to clarify, even if you think that, oh, this person is clearly cis, um, always ask. Hmm. Um, and then it's a matter of being aware of hormones uh, that the person is on. Of course, it's important to know them and to know the side effects, hmm. um, especially as there are more and more on the market. 
Uh, and like I said, a lot of people are having um, more combinations of hormones. I take testosterone plus localized estrogen. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, knowing, knowing that side of it is important because it may have something to do with, with a condition that we have or, or hmm. what, we're, what we're seeing you about. But also a matter of, uh, you know, don't jump to the conclusion of, well, the first thing we're going to do is take you off your hormones and see if hmm. that helps that's not the way to go. Um, mm-hmm. You are damaging, you're not just damaging your, their mental health, mm-hmm. but going off of hormones can be a really traumatic experience depending on the dosage, depending mm-hmm. on the type of hormone. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just a matter of mental or emotional. Physically, it can, it can be mm-hmm. traumatic to start out depending on mm-hmm. what that dose was like. Yeah. Um, and so trying to find an alternative to, uh, to taking somebody off of their hormones um, is great if ever possible. Uh, yeah. Of course, sometimes it's not, but just don't jump to that conclusion. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, you know, be be ready to learn. Um, be open. We mm-hmm. are still navigating this full gender spectrum, mm-hmm. and we are not going to stop. Mm-hmm. It's vaster and deeper then we're going to get into this year, next year, this decade, mm-hmm. it's going to continue to grow. And so, you know, I, I've, I've run into a lot of people in mm-hmm. general, um, but especially, you know, doctors that I, that have cared for me, that it seems like they, they did a lot of diligence mm-hmm. in medical school mm-hmm. to make sure that they knew what they were doing. And I appreciate that. Um, but once they got the residency and once they got their job and once they felt secure, um, mm-hmm. the learning stops. Yeah. Um, as far as, as care for the patient outside of, you know, obviously knowing the newest uh, treatments or drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to continue to learn um, and you have to continue to learn um, from experience and we're all going to mess up um, inside and outside of, of our workspace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope that everybody, you know, points it out and points it out in a respectful way. Mm-hmm but it's not up to the patient to point it out in a respectful way. If that, if that patient is hurt by, by being misgendered 10 times in that visit, mm-hmm. um, take that note. Yeah. Um, and uh, if somebody comes to you with something you don't understand, take the, take the time to learn it, take the time to mm-hmm. understand it. I don't understand everything about being trans nor will I ever understand everything about being trans. <laughs> um, and neither will you and neither will yeah. anybody. Um, yeah. So the best that we can do is continue to be humble and, and mm. learn from each other. Um, yeah, I, I think um, a lot of disciplines are kind of moving toward, a, a, you know, an idea of, of cultural um, humility, which, which I think is what you're describing, just, you know, the openness to, to learn and, and, you know, like, um, just like, you know, like, Con- receiving constructive feedback and criticism and um it sounds like also just you know like asking you know the right questions and and um also uh just not making assumptions um about a person's needs and care uh i i did want to ask um like in terms of asking questions and, and like you know how how to particularly you know address you know a person's gender identity particularly in a you know clinic um i'm sure you've had uh a lot of experiences, uh, both good and bad. And, and I just kind of wanted to hear from you, like what, what to you has made like a good opener to, to, you know, uh, you know, talking about that, um, particularly in a doctor's office or, you know, even just outside of it. Right. Yeah. I think that, um, 
I think that what really makes a difference is pulling the gender out of the out of the mix once once we can. So of course you need to ask for pronouns. We we've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but when I go into my my uh, primary care provider, uh, you know, they don't ask the gender of my partner. Mm-hmm. They ask about. Uh, you know, is, is my partner a fab or a Mav? Because that's mm. what we're talking about. When they ask about all of my partners, they mm. ask, you know, am I engaging in intercourse with a penis? Mm. Because they're right. looking, you know, perhaps they're looking at a certain type of birth control or, mm. or a certain um, thing that that only has to do with, but they don't have to say, are you having sex with a man? Mm. Right. Because that that's gendered language and leaves it kind of open for debate where, you know, mm. if I misunderstood the question, right. And I was, you know, dating a, a, another transmasculine person. I might mm-hmm. say, yes, I am. Uh, and that's not the, not something, the answer you wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so taking gender out of the equation, using terms like AFAB and AMAB as opposed to male and female mm-hmm. uh, is definitely really helpful because then that gives you the information you need. Right. Uh, but that also allows me to understand as a patient where I can communicate with you is like, mm-hmm. oh, you're, you're asking what they were assigned at birth. Got it. Mm-hmm. That's what I need to tell you. You're asking what I was assigned at birth. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's not as invasive or uh, inappropriate as asking if I have a uterus, which is just a mm-hmm. weird way to word that question. Right. Um, <laughs> so that really helps just pulling gender out of it um, and uh, being open to every answer as well. Um, so a lot of times when I'm asked a question at an office that I don't know to be LGBTQ friendly, I know that they're looking for one of two answers. Yeah. Um, and there's no in-between. If you give them an in-between, you're going to get 10 other probing questions because they literally don't understand the, the answer that you just gave them, mm-hmm. which is fair. You, you as a doctor need to understand as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing your job, right. but, um, being open and ready for a uh, different question. So if you ask, you know, what are the genders of your partners and mm. you get a well <laughs> uh you know maybe you you take a minute and be like you know do you you know uh are you know are they across the broad spectrum mm-hmm. you know there there's a way to clarify without just letting the 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 patient him and haw and figure out if their answer is safe to uh. give you is another thing <laughs> Um, so yeah, that really does make a difference because yeah, I've been asked questions before. I'm like, I don't know how to answer that because, you know, I know you're looking for male or female, or you're Mm -hmm. looking for, um, you know, penis or vagina. I I don't know how to answer that question for you. So yeah, just being open to, you know, having a dialogue with your patient as opposed to, you know, checking the boxes definitely Mm -hmm. has made a difference for me, Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, it, it makes me aware that like, oh, I can give you the answer that I actually should be giving you. Mm. Uh, sort of like when you, you know, on intake forms, if you're asked if you if you drink a certain amount, it's like, you should tell your doctor how much you drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to report you for drinking too much. Right. But, uh, you know, a lot of people feel really weird answering that question because they mm. feel like they're going to be judged for it. Yeah. I, I think that's a that's a an absolutely wonderful way of, way of putting that as well and and so and you know thank you for that um i i did want to you know no and and like i i apologize for how long this is going um just a, a couple more questions like i i one of the things that does come up um particularly like as we are you know at least at our school like trying to more normalize you know like asking for pronouns and stuff like 
occasionally, like when you standardize that question, like you'll get people who, I mean, generally like cisgender folks who, who will be like, why are you asking me that? And then we yeah. have to kind of explain like, well, you know, gender identity can, you know, impact a, a, you know, a person's health and kind of like give that particular like, you know, top line pitch, I guess, right? Like, but, but, you know, and, and I think even for, for folks who like are supportive of, you know, like getting folks pronouns and stuff, like, I think we have some difficulty like explaining like why this is important. Like, so, so I just wanted to ask like why for you, like, you know, how, how has your gender identity impacted your health and like just overall well-being? Yeah, my gender identity has definitely affected my health and how I receive care. Um, of course, it, uh, you know, my anatomy is one side of it, but it also clues you into, you know, I, of course, you'll see that I take hormones um, from, from my information, but, yeah. you know, it'll clue you into why those hormones, uh, why I'm taking those hormones. It'll, uh, it'll clue you in on how to interact with me as a patient as well um and yeah how to uh how, how to care for me as a patient because uh you know especially me being a dancer and of course i can't speak for everybody but you know when i am presenting as transmasculine um i am doing different stuff in the studio mm -hmm. than somebody who is presenting as uh perhaps a femme or cis you know cis female mm -hmm. um but you know stepping into to that to that role i'm doing different things um, I'm doing different movements in the dance studio. So, you know, when I'm going into a physical therapist, of course, that's, that's very important um, because there is, there is a different movement vocabulary that I'm engaging in and uh, different, um, different ways that my body's going to react to things um, based on, uh, of course, my hormone levels, but also the, the body that I have as a result of that. Um, you know, I've, you've heard me talk to Camille a little bit about the, the muscle, I have some issues in my shoulder. Mm -hmm. That's from, you know, my, my muscles are, you know, develop a lot quicker now when I work out and, and that, that tendon has been shortened, mm -hmm. um, pretty significantly. And so, you know, that is something that I wouldn't have thought of, right. uh, you know, but for me, of course, it's a lot of physicality, uh, mm -hmm. but of course, everybody's a little different. Um, yeah. And I think we're, you know, you're definitely going to see some pushback from cis people. I usually, <laughs> when I ask cis people for, for pronouns, I get some really yeah. interesting answers. First of all, I have to explain pronouns. Right. Uh, like I'm an English teacher in the sixth grade. <laughs> um, I mean, that's fair. If you had, right. don't use pronouns on a regular basis yeah. as a word, then, you know, it might take a minute. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I also get, you know, if it's on a, you know, if I ask somebody for pronouns, they're like, Julie. <laughs> I'm like that's not a pronoun that, um, that is that is a proper noun yeah and I'm like so if I say like my name is or this is Julie mm -hmm. and blank went to the store right would that be she mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. z yeah uh, you know which you know what is that um mm -hmm. I've also gotten people responding to pronouns by saying like girl or boy mm -hmm. and I'm like that is also not a pronoun <laughs> um that is that is a gender reveal party. I don't know what that is. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's definitely going to be pushback or people putting the wrong thing on an intake paper. But you know, it's one of those things. Just like making, just like making the world accessible in general. There's always, yeah. uh, there's always a journey to be had. There's, yeah. there's going to be, there's going to be moments where you kind of have to get everybody on the same train. And there's always going to be people who don't want to get on the train. Right. I mean, like, yeah, there's, there's always, you know, more stuff to learn. Like, I mean, just like, uh, like last year, I learned that there, are, you know, some, some folks use 
Um, Cause you know, like, especially when, you know, with uh, gender non-conforming folks, like for some people in general, like titles are important. And so like, you know, some folks like uh, particularly in, you know, want, uh, you know, some the title of like, you know, um, Ms. Or, or Mr. And, and so like, and, um, you know, I, I, I met a gender non-conforming for or a non-binary person who, who told me like that they, they, you know, like use mix like that, that is a title that they, they use. And so I was like, oh, I did not know that was an option. And so there's, there's always new things. Um, I just got a, got a book. I'll, I don't know if you've read, but I'll have to lend you. It's about like, it's a linguist who wrote about like the history of pronouns. And he's like, mm -hmm. look, everyone, like, this is nothing new. <laughs> um, they, them, you know, like gender neutral pronouns have existed for some time. Um, but Classic yeah, literature uses singular they, them pronouns. Yeah. It's wild to me that people right. uh, are like, it's, it's plural and nothing but I'm like, right. actually. <laughs> Right. Like that's what I learned in my like SAT prep course, but like that doesn't right. mean it's like fact. <laughs> like, um, I learned a lot of things for the SAT that were not fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, just one more thing I, I wanted to ask, um, and, and this might be, you know, for my own ignorance, um, but like uh, when you're, you know, you, you're currently on HRT and like, you know, I know a lot of providers have tried to take you off of it, but like, how, how does that exactly work? Like, do you have to remain on HRT for, you know, like forever? You know, how, how does, yeah, what, how does all that work? Yeah, this is actually a really common misconception um, when you start to talk about uh, starting HRT is that a lot of sources online especially are like oh it's a point of no return mm. um you'll never be able to go back it's a permanent decision mm. uh first of all i don't have to do anything i could stop <laughs> taking hrt today um and like i like yes going off of it can be very traumatic as far as you know uh depending on your dose and depending on how much uh you know you rely on it to uh to work with your body mm. right uh which is what I meant when I said traumatic. However, you know, it's not like you're going to go through drug withdrawals mm. or anything. Um, if I were to stop taking HRT today, uh, I, you know, my facial hair wouldn't like fall out of my face, <laughs> but I would probably, you know, I would probably start to develop, um, you know, a, a more, uh, um, a more like socially considered female body. Mm. Um, you know, I, I would develop a little more um, around my hips, um, a little more around my breasts again. Um, mm. My my fat content would re would would readjust mm -hmm. as far as where it lives on my body. Um, but certain things certain things won't won't go back. If I shaved my beard, it probably you know I would still have some facial hair, but it, you know mm. I would probably not grow anymore. Um, so yeah, you can always go off of your hormones. Um, and I, I believe estrogen is similar, but you know, don't quote me on that. I've never, of course, had that experience. But um, yeah, you can always go off of HRT if it doesn't work for you. I have had several friends that have um, decided to go off of hormones after taking it for, you know, one year or five years. Hmm. And, uh, you know, they're, they're totally happy. And that was it's the right thing for them. Um, I want to continue to build my body uh, to the the trans mask dancer that I want to be in. I'm not quite there yet. So I'm, I'm going to continue this journey. Um, but yeah, you can, you can always go off of it. Uh, so I, I, I mean, I, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Um, is there uh, anything you, like you wanted to kind of dive into further or like, 
um, you know, any, any resources, especially you wanted to share um, for anyone who might be going through, you know, this particular journey on, on for themselves. Like you, you talked a bit about um, Howard Brown and uh, I believe another institution, um, but, but yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything you'd like to pitch? Uh, yeah. First I'll just kind of speak to the cis people in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, in saying hello that, hello <laughs> um it, just in saying that uh hopefully we all consider you all consider yourself allies and accomplices to the trans community mm-hmm. um in order to do that there is a sacrifice of convenience that needs to to happen um mm-hmm. we've seen that with other movements uh it's the same here um there is a, a trend even among allies to kind of huff and stomp out of the room at the accusation that uh, perhaps something is problematic uh, mm-hmm. because we've been programmed to think that it's easier to shame the, uh, the marginalized or, or the vulnerable person in the room mm-hmm. uh, than in order to avoid uh, sacrificing our convenience to actually fix the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so if something is being pointed out to you as problematic, that actually means that we care mm-hmm. about, uh, we care about the way that you're referring to us. Uh, if we didn't point it out, it doesn't mean that it doesn't bother us. Um, it means either that we just don't have the energy, um, or, you know, even worse that we, we've, uh, we've, we know that that's not going to be a good exchange. Mm. Um, so if, if you are an ally, make yourself an ally by, by being open and, and listening. Um, mm. and you know, sometimes that'll be said in a nice tone and sometimes it'll be said in a more forceful tone based mm. on what's been said. And, you know, always remember that, you know, if the tone is more for, forceful, it's probably because somebody, uh, you know, needs you to listen up a little more. Uh, so, you know, don't leave the room, listen, make your notes, make your changes, um, in order to be an ally. And that might mean sacrificing some convenience that might mean, you know, writing three more letters on, uh, somebody's intake form to say a map instead of M, uh, as far as, uh, resources, um, yeah, Howard Brown medical center. If you are LGBTQ plus, uh, and in Chicago, I highly recommend, uh, uh, going to them for, for care and support. Um, if you are, uh, a cis person looking to support, uh, LGBTQ plus health, um, you know, donate, they, you know, they are, I don't know if they are technically a non-for-profit, but they're, they're out here, you know, doing the work. Um, so, you know, Mm. that, that's a good place to put your money if you're looking to, to lift up LGBTQ plus education. Um, and or as LGBTQ plus uh, healthcare. And then Broadway Youth Center is an extension of Howard Brown Health. Um, they, are, uh, they are a great resource, especially for young trans folks trying to navigate, uh, you know, a, a world that was not made for us and that was not made for us in mind. Uh, they, I don't believe they're necessarily, they're healthcare related. They'll usually refer you to the actual healthcare center. Um, but they're more of, you know, if you're trying to get your ID changed, if you're trying to navigate, um, you know, something legally, if you're trying to navigate resources, they're a great place to go. Um, and I've actually, you know, gotten resources from them, even though I don't know if I'm like really considered a youth anymore. I'm 27. Um, <laughs> I consider myself a youth. I'm 28. Yeah. Like, I'm youthful. Yeah. Um, and then just in general, like, 
this world was not made with trans people. This this contemporary world mm-hmm. um, was not made for, with trans people in mind, uh, and so we're we're going to have to do some major work to uh, fix that. And mm-hmm. it's it's going to take a little bit of of breaking down what we have and then building back up something new. Um, yeah. So it's not going to be something that that happens overnight. But uh, I think I I have a lot of hope that we can do it together. Well, thank you so much. Um, some wonderful notes on on allyship that uh, that I appreciate you sharing, and as well as you know, like some incredible resources. Like it, it is always inspiring to hear that um, there are people doing like you know that kind of good work out, out here. And um, yeah, it's really nice to hear. Um, yeah. So also, you know, check out uh, Joel Hall Dance. Um, I I've trained there in, in the past as well, and and um, you know they. Uh, I mean, Luke, you're currently teaching online classes through there as well. Um, but mm-hmm. they're they're an incredible establishment, and, and you know have a lot of talented people in there. And yeah, uh, thank you again so much for for you know taking the time to talk to us. And um, yeah, this is this was an incredibly enlightening conversation. So I appreciate your time. Thanks for listening to this episode. This wouldn't be possible without the support from our listeners. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate donations to help fund the production of this podcast. To support us, go to medicuspodcast.com, where you can additionally find show notes, links, and information about our guests. We are at Medicus Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any questions, comments, or episode suggestions, please submit them on our website. This podcast is intended for general information purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine. No patient-doctor relation is formed, and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Views and opinions are their own and do not represent any organization.